This is Danny Gould, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. But you need that. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, we have a slight change of plans. For those of you looking for part two of the interview with Andy McCluskey of OMD, we're going to move that back to the end of March, beginning of April, when the new album and single come out, because we talk a lot about the album and the single in that conversation. But in the meantime, we have a very special guest. It's our old friend Jimmy Dore. And you know, there's more than politics to Jimmy Dore. He has a dog. I recently had to take my dog to the vet, and uh, the dog, he had to give him some pills. (laughs) And he says the dog won't like these pills. They don't taste good. I'm like, my dog eats his own poo. We'll hear more hilarious stories from Jimmy and, of course, talk some politics with him as well. Also, we'll play some bits from his show, which makes it an easy week for me. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. It might be hard to believe, but plans are underway for the creation of the Titanic II, an exact replica of the ill-fated ship that could transport passengers across the sea as soon as 2016. Well, hopefully not an exact replica. A few more lifeboats might be helpful. The Magpool Company started in an ex-Marine's basement in 1999 as in a standoff with Colorado Democrats who want to restrict the size of ammunition magazines after mass shootings in a suburban Denver movie theater and a Connecticut elementary school. The company has issued lawmakers an ultimatum, potentially worth millions. Pass the bill, and the business will move out of state, essentially placing a gun to the head of the state legislatures. In related news, tourists come to the U.S., to explore the beauty of the Grand Canyon, the grandeur of the U.S. Capitol, to see the Statue of Liberty and other skyscrapers in New York. But increasingly, they're also coming to shoot assault weapons. Oh good, we don't have enough crazy f- to shoot assault weapons here, now we have to import them from overseas. In pledging his unconditional reverence and obedience to the next pope, Benedict XVI took a critical step toward ensuring that his decision to break with 600 years of tradition and retire as pope doesn't create a schism within the church. Benedict will continue to live inside the Vatican, wear the white cossacks of the papacy, call himself Emeritus Pope and or Your Holiness, and do color commentary for both Bundesliga and Italian Series A soccer matches. President Barack Obama took heat online for combining the Jedi mind trick from Star Wars with the Vulcan mind meld from Star Trek. Obama said Friday he didn't have the power to somehow do a Jedi mind meld with these folks, referring to congressional representatives, and convince them to do what's right on reaching a deal to avert the forced budget cuts known in Washington as the sequester. Obama later apologized, adding the sequester posed danger, danger, Commander Apollo. You have to look up and see what I mixed up there. An Atlanta woman has filed a lawsuit saying Basketball Hall of Famer and Charlotte Bobcats owner Michael Jordan is the father of her 16-year-old son. The lawsuit was filed February 6th by Pamela Y. Smith, 48, in Fulton County Superior Court. It requests Jordan take a paternity test, pay child support, share medical, dental, and hospital costs that are not covered by insurance, and sign the youngster to a three-year deal with the Bobcats. In other basketball news, former NBA star Dennis Rodman declared his eternal friendship with North Korea's supreme leader this past Thursday. You have a friend for life, Rodman told Kim Jong-un after the two men sat next to each other watching an unusual basketball exhibition in Pyongyang in North Korea. Later, another unusual game took place in which Kim beat a squad of five opponents all by himself. And that's been Fake News with me. 
Jimmy Dore is a stand-up comedian, podcaster, and broadcaster who can be seen on the Young Turks Network as part of his The Jimmy Dore Show. The Jimmy Dore Show is also a radio program on KFBK in Los Angeles, which is also available as a podcast. Jimmy can also be seen and heard in comedy clubs across the nation. Likes to talk a lot about politics, but he talks about a lot more as well, just being a regular guy, married with a dog living in suburban Los Angeles. Uh, we're going to play our interview with Jimmy Dore right now, and then we're going to hear some clips from his show, uh, some hilarious impressions provided by Mike McRae, a very talented impressionist. Enjoy our interview now with Jimmy Dore. Okay, joining us on PF's tape recorder is our old friend Jimmy Dore. Jimmy, how you doing? I'm doing great, PF. How are you, buddy? Very good, man. Well, uh, let me. The thing I've been dying to ask you since the election is because <laughs> I feel this way. Is aren't you just worn out? <laughs> I guess listening to the show, you're not. But is it hard to still muster up that same enthusiasm? Because after that election, man, I am just. I was just beat. Uh, no, things move forward. Uh, we have uh, people again. It's funny to see the, the the breakdown of the fourth estate. How horrible our news media is, and oh I mean God. our mainstream news media. It's the, everybody's pushing to cut Medicare again, right? So uh, everybody from George Will to Tom Brokaw to even uh, Chris Hardball on MSNBC <laughs> is like, you gotta cut Medicare. Which that is the, the it's like because we're in such a big hole, PF. That's what people, you know. How oh, are yeah. we gonna get out of this deficit? How are we gonna get out of this big hole we're in unless we? push a couple of old people in it that's, that's how and i love how they talk about balance they say you know we have to we have to cut our deficit we have to do it in a balanced way which means they're going to cut social security and medicare for the people who could least afford it and they're going to put an imperceptible two percent tax on the people who can most afford it which will impact their lives zero that's what's known as balance so uh, so Donald Trump will have to pay two cents more for a for a necktie, and uh, your grandma won't get to see a doctor every time she wants. That's what's <laughs> called balance in America. That's what's called balance. I love how everybody, uh, the rest of the world, can manage to give health care to all of its citizens. They can, the rest of the world gives health care to all of its citizens. America can't figure out how to give it to just the people over 65. <laughs> Somehow that is beyond the richest country in the world. It's going to bankrupt us. So my point is, if you listen to those people on television, it's it talk about an Orwellian nightmare. Groupthink. Everyone's saying the same thing. And right now we have these self-imposed, you know, this sequester. Hey, they're going to cut everything. They're going to cut everything. And uh, <laughs> this is this is why it's important to make sure that the plutocracy doesn't completely crush us. Um. It- Speaking of the fourth estate, uh, I wanted to ask you: Do you follow a, an, an outfit, or have you heard of an, an outfit called News Busted? I I have seen stuff from News Busted. You gotta follow They're, their are Facebook page. Are they different page. than News Busters? Because News Busters same thing. is bullshit. That deck. If, well, here let me let's. I want to uh, let's break that down. Um, News Busted is the website that scientifically proves that there's liberal media bias, and of course, as I say, they know nothing about science and nothing about the media. The News Busters is that hideous show with uh, Jody Miller, and uh, now do you know her? Uh, no, I do not know her. Okay, she's uh, she's apparently we have a lot of mutual comedy friends, including uh, Josh Need and some other folks out on the West Coast. I thought maybe somebody might know her, but um, yeah, she's uh, allegedly a comedian, 
And uh, yeah, you know, comedians uh, who champion the bullies aren't comedians. Exactly. You can only be a comedian if you champion the underdog. Well, she That's has what a comedy is for the people. You know, she's doing that conservative comedy show. There's no such thing as conservative. You know what I mean? It's like bankers yeah, yeah. don't need. Need comedy, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> it, well, it, the comedians are the one people in society given the right to make fun of power, and she doesn't take it. She only makes fun of a certain sect of power, which is the difference between a real comedian and a quote-unquote conservative comedian. Yeah, well, she has a laugh track that disagrees with you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and, so uh, that's the that's the yeah, big yeah. difference. Uh, I like to say that conservatives don't do comedy. They're the reason we need comedy in the first place. Okay, well, what you need to do, though, is promise me you'll follow their Facebook page because it is so funny and not in the way they want it to be, though. <laughs> yeah. If it weren't uh, for them, know, I wouldn't have a dumb bit every week. About every other week, my dumb bit involves newsbusters or news busted or something. Or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, so what was what was why did you ask me about news busted? I today? thought maybe you might know her because she allegedly is a comedian and she allegedly performs in Los Angeles. So I and and plus it's just I think you'd enjoy it because it's just so it, it, they're just so nuts. <laughs> they had this one site one thing up the other day a quote from George Washington that firearms are necessary for blah blah blah. So I looked it up. Took me two seconds. Oh, guess what? It's bull. <laughs> who, who knew? <laughs> and you know what? Who proved it wrong? A pro gun website. And I guess they put these up so they don't look stupid, and they, I guess they tell right. the members, you know, don't quote these because they're not real and you'll look dumb. So hats off to them, at least, for, you know, being savvy enough to point out the BS that's out there. But didn't stop news busted. <laughs> great quote from a great president. Yeah, too bad he never said it. Uh, so you're talking about the information bubble of the, on the right wing, yes. which often leaves them embarrassed, like it did during the election. They couldn't believe that Romney didn't win in a landslide, yeah, no. because wow. all the polls were liberal. They're all the mainstream media; li it's all liberal. Exactly. Yes, it, it, in the words of Stephen Colbert, reality has a liberal bias. Yes, one of the greatest quotes and, ever. One of the greatest quotes of all time, and he said it right in front of all the news media. Yes. And it's like, no, the, the people, conservatives look at reality and say it's liberal because they don't like it because reality is liberal. <laughs> That's what they don't like. <laughs> exactly. That the, it's not the poor people who are wrecking our economy. It's actually the banks and the chieftains of corporations and their crony capitalism and their outsourcing of jobs. That's what's really killing our economy. It's not old people wanting to get health care. It's not old people wanting to get their Social Security. That's not what's ruining our economy. What's ruining our economy is crony capitalism and our government being bought by big pharma and big health insurance. You know, the most efficient health care program in the country is Medicare. If everybody in the country got on Medicare, we would all save billions of dollars. But no one's proposing that right now. Yeah, and uh, it's not the post office either, as you pointed out in the past right, couple weeks on your show. Right, it's the post office. Yeah, it's another thing. Oh, the post post office was doesn't take a dime of taxpayer money. Was uh, making was not running a deficit up until 2006, when Congress, bought by the UPS and FedEx, decided to make a law that would essentially bankrupt the, the post office, which no one else has to do. They have they have the post office paying out 75 years of their health benefits right away. No other company has to do that. So they knew it would bankrupt them. And then they come to the American people and they go, hey, look, the post office is bankrupt. And they knew that the news media wouldn't do a good job of explaining what happened either. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's the perfect. It's like these guys, the corporations by the government. They also own the news media, knowing the news media won't tell the people what's actually going on. The post office works fine. 
by the way. Yes. The post office works great. Never never took a dime of taxpayer money and didn't run a deficit up until 2006 when they passed this bill. Okay. It, it's weird. When I go to the post office and maybe a line of four or five people forms, people just start getting exasperated. You go to our local Walmart, which I try not to do, yes. uh, and there's a huge line of people looking and go, eh, what are you going to do? Yes. Like, yes. I, well, it's the it's yeah. It's so. This is what's known as a plutocracy. This is what yeah. we're living in right now. PF. It's a plutocracy. And the banks. If I could, I've said this before. If I could screw my wife half as good as Wall Street has screwed our economy, I wouldn't have to go through her emails. <laughs> um. I mean, it, I mean, and no one, everyone looks the other way. Nobody goes, oh, yeah. hey, maybe we should fix the banking. But, you know, the banks get $82 billion in government money every year, $82 billion. That's three cents of every tax dollar collected. So just think of that. Think, think who's really the welfare recipients in this country. It's the Defense Department, which has doubled, yes. doubled its budget since 9-11. Doubled. The Defense Department has doubled. Meanwhile, we're firing teachers, cops, and firemen. But it's, it's not the Defense department or the banks that are the problem in our economy it's old people who get sick it's teachers cops and firemen those are the people who are really screwing up our economy and people who get laid off yeah and people who get laid off because they're lazy yeah. that's why they got laid off exactly. they had a job someone said you can't work here anymore and they're lazy yeah well, that was, a, that was a great vacation I had, stressing out every day, going from contract job to contract job, thinking, yeah. you know, when am I so going to find permanent work? So much that, fun. This is the, that all part of the uh, reality is optional. And people don't realize that when they watch Brian Williams, they're watching a corporate news piece, a, a mouthpiece. He's not giving you the news you need to know. He's not doing any, any investigating. Did he tell us about that the Iraq war was bogus, or did he bring on generals who were being paid by the defense industry to cheer on the illegal war in Iraq? Because his company was General Electric, which was a defense contractor. So these are all the things that people don't know or, or aren't told. And uh, so they go, oh, well, yeah, the government must be inefficient, even though Medicare and the post office are completely more efficient than anything else. And they just it's just this conventional wisdom and guys who are supposed to be debunking them just to forward those uh, those backward talking points like Tom Brokaw and Brian Williams and Diane Sawyer and Scott Pelley and even PBS. They do the same thing. It's all this group think of somehow the only way to save the economy is to cut Medicare and Social Security. The only two things that are keeping our economy from getting even worse and now people can get all this kind of insight uh on your uh, radio program available as a podcast but um yes do you but, say, with, but with much more comedy in, infused i was gonna say show. well let's let's get to that because i always describe it to people and as you kind of have before it's kind of like a daily show or a bill maher uh show for the radio but really still a kind of its own thing because that's not an, a completely accurate description. It fits with those things. But, yeah, you have a very smart panel of people with you. And you also have some funny impressions uh, done by mostly by Mike McRae, occasionally James Adomian, who who's been on the show. Oh, and correct, so, uh, yes. Yeah, so, so it's really, it really is its own thing, and it's, it's uh, it highly recommended to folks who are fans of those other shows because it's still another, you know, another, I guess, facet of, uh, of current event slash political comedy. Well, I'd like to think that we do it better than, you know, John Stewart is not a big union person. Uh, he's famously uh, did shows during the union strike that were written. So, and you know, so we were, you know, he's a little corporate for my taste, is what I'm saying. And yeah. what you get on our show is not that. You get the unvarnished truth. You get the real deal. The stuff you can't get anywhere else. Plus, you get the funniest impressions you've yeah. ever heard in your life. It's spot on. You, 
Bill O'Reilly. You should, if you could play a clip during your thing, I would, okay, I'll I would do that. appreciate yeah. it. I'll, def- I'll definitely do that. With- Let people hear the Bill. Bill O'Reilly calls into our show. Chris Christie, Ron Paul. Um, who else? Uh, Morgan Freeman. Uh, Mel Gibson. We have lots of different. Co- oh, Jay- oh, yes, we have a. Jesse Ventura, yeah. Herman Cain is a big Herman favorite Cain. on the love, show, and all of these Cain. impressions yeah. are spot on they and are. hilarious. They so are. I I uh, I, I got to say, probably one of the best impressionists in the entire world. I got, if not the best, Mike McRae is on our show, and I'm very lucky. Yes. he's been on Letterman. He was on the. Um, uh, I forget that show he was on on the W. Why am I blanking on that comedian's name? The short, fat guy who does the impressions. Frank Aliendo. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, he was a cast member of the Caliendo show. That's right. And uh, which I love Frank Collier because I like I like to see what uh, you know people would look like if they were short and fat. That's what it is. <laughs> it's like oh look it's Al Pacino if he was uh, short and fat. Oh look it's Bill Clinton if he was short and fat. Oh look that's George Bush if he was short and fat. That's nice. Well, speaking of comedians, <laughs> so do you? Um, so, I mean, we saw you last year and uh, here in Cincinnati. But um, for the folks that don't know, is is your stage set? Uh, as uh, current eventsy and political as the show, or is it? Do you get to talk about more things? And you'd like like the chance to talk about more things on stage? Oh, my stand-up show! I talk about everything. I talk about my dog. I talk about my marriage. Talk about my family. Talk about being Catholic. Uh, we talk about healthcare. We talk about everything. Uh, so yeah, I mean, um, it's all infused with lot, lots of jokey jokes. And I'll tell you this: I recently had to take my dog to the vet. And uh, the dog, he had to give him some pills. <laughs> and he says, the dog won't like these pills. They don't taste good. I'm like, my dog eats his own poo. He'll eat this, <laughs> right? So it turns out the dog won't eat it. I'm like, are you kidding me? How bad do these pills taste? Can you just make the pills taste like <laughs> How about can you do that? Because he'll eat that. And then get this. The, the vet says to me, he says, you know, if you have a problem with your dog eating his poo, they have a spray that makes the poo unappetizing. <laughs> That's a direct quote. That's a direct quote. Makes the poo unappetized. Now, what kind of a maniac is sitting at home going, I have to invent something that tastes worse than <laughs> Who's doing that, PF? That's my question. And then let, let's say you did it. How would you know you did it? Yeah, you'd have to get somebody to taste it. They'd be like, ah, it tastes like <laughs> Yeah, but just <laughs> or worse. So that's, those are the kind of jokes you can hear. There you go. This, this week at the at the Go Bananas in Cincinnati. There you go. And that's one of my all-time favorite clubs, by the way. Comedians always vote that club their funnest yeah. club to work. That and the Acme up in Minneapolis, yeah. And, and my apologies to the audience. I laughed so hard I knocked the microphone over. So, uh, You know, I think it's because that room is really built for comedy. You know, comedy yeah. in, in football stadiums and comedy in huge 10,000 seats, they, it loses its shape. You know what I mean? Uh uh, a comedian doesn't have a light show or music. It's just a guy standing in a room talking. Yeah. So the smaller the room, the better that experience is going to be, the more intimate, the closer. I remember I had seen George Carlin a couple of times at the Universal Amphitheater here in Los Angeles, and it was great. I love George Carlin. And then right before he died, I got to see him at the Comedy and Magic Club down in Hermosa Beach, which is a 200-seat room. And it was a totally different experience, about the same size as Go Bananas. It was a totally different experience. It was uh, funnier. I could feel the funny in his bones. I could see his facial expressions. Oh, yeah. It made everything so – I could see when his eyebrow raised. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can see he, when he frowned. It was. It really makes it better. And I think that has a lot to do with why people love Go Bananas so much because it's that kind of intimate comedy experience. Yes, definitely. Um, a lot, yeah, a lot of people uh, say that, and it's a good, good place to start a comedy career too, as opposed to the other room we have in town, which we're not mad at, but 
my wife won't go to that other room unless it's somebody we really, really want to see, like uh, your buddy Greg Warren we saw there. Who can Well, say you that? know, it's always, uh, I always have my fingers crossed, it's always better when comedy clubs are run well. You yeah, know, well, always, yeah, yeah. It's good for comedy when people go to comedy clubs and have a good time. It's never good for comedy, no matter where the comedy club is, and people go in and it's a poorly run club, and people get a bad taste for comedy clubs. It's funny how people, you know, people would never think they'd ever go to a restaurant and it was horrible. They go, ah, I hate restaurants. <laughs> they would <laughs> That's go, true. I don't like that restaurant. But yeah, for yeah. some reason, it seems like comedy clubs are this monolith. Like, they, the people can't make a distinction between them. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, and you still got, I'm so surprised for a lot of people that come up to me and say, oh, we're going to go to a comedy club we've never been, what should we do? And like, that always blows my mind. It's like, you know, and they, they go just because it's a comedy club. And I know a lot of comedians have this complaint that usually they end up entertaining a lot of, like, bachelorette parties, I guess yes. it's a big cliche, but an, an accurate one because they always seem to turn up. And, well, uh, that's the, you know, P.F., that's the thing about, you know, comedy that's different than music, for instance. Like, nobody would ever go, hey, we're going to go to a music club. Yeah, not they, know the they band. They would first research what kind of music it is, what yep. kind of club it is, who's going to yeah. be playing. They would never go. You know, but comedy, they just showed up. Hey, you're supposed to entertain me, right? Comedy's generic, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And so they would. So that's the big difference. Then people don't realize that about comedy. It's it's a weird thing. Yeah, they they see it on the Tonight Show and they think, oh, okay, it's just supposed to be like this, and you know. Yes, this is what it's like. But you know, a lot of clubs now. I'm sure Mikey has video clips, and so you can usually you can see who the person is, and yeah, then you, you can, can go to their YouTube page or yep. whatever. You can get a flavor for them, or you can listen to a podcast like this, or you can listen to a podcast like this. All right. And speaking of, um, so in addition to this, I know comedy. Everything else has been on uh, hiatus. Although there was a new episode a couple weeks ago. Yes, that we Tony Kameen uh, yeah. from the Marijuana Log. That was our awesome. Most recent guest on yeah. comedy and everything else. He's funny. Um, and uh, but you've been really busy, of course. With uh, you're on the Young Turks Network now. Oh sure, I do in the Jimmy Dore yeah. show on the Young Turks oh. Network. Plus, I guest host for them a lot. Yeah, in fact, I played a clip of your show from the Young Turks to illustrate uh, that Jody Miller Newsbusters things her her canned laughter versus your actual live audience, small as it is, because you're in a small studio. I understand, but right. No, well, what actual laughter working... sounds like versus fake laughter was the demonstration. Yeah, we're in a working newsroom. There's usually probably about I don't know at least. Uh, 20 people around but they all have headphones on and they're you know hooked up to their computer yeah and there's usually a few people who don't and they're the ones who are hearing the show like my writer steve rosenfield is a big laugh oh, yeah. you can hear him. there's a couple of interns that might not be doing anything so that's kind of where we're doing our show in the middle of a newsroom they're shooting a bunch of different shows there all day long a bunch of news shows there all day long and ours gets to shoot from 12 30 to 1 30 on mondays so yeah so if you hear laughter it's actually laughter from people who actually might be taking a break from their working okay. to listen to our show, unlike that show you're talking about. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, okay, man. Anything else you want to cover? Anything else you want to plug? Uh, no, I just want to make sure, you know, if, if people like to laugh their ass off, great place to go is the Go Bananas this week. No, I, I understand. You were the one that told the, the story about... Uh, in Minneapolis, the gal that ran the sports bar, they just moved over to the comedy club, and she. Oh, that's a true story. Yeah, yeah. I I, I was relating it to somebody else too, and I um. Yeah. That's a true story. Yeah, I yeah. remember I was at this comedy cut that comedy club. It's not they're no longer anymore. They're no. called Knuckleheads. Yeah. And they didn't. They weren't. They were run by like this big sports bar place. They they like a. I forget what the name of it was, but with Julian's, what were those places called? Uh, Julian's. 
Jillian's, right? So they had that. They had America's Sports Bar. They had restaurants. That They said they owned all these things, this big conglomerate, you know. And then they opened a comedy club. <laughs> and then they had the person. I was like, uh, this person didn't know anything about how comedy works, right? Right. And I was like, hey, you don't know how this is supposed to go. Go, Where did you work before? She goes, I was the assistant manager at at the sports bar across the hall. I'm like, oh, you're perfect (laughs) to come over and run a completely different business that you have no idea how it works. (laughs) What what could go wrong? Uh, Every only everything, (laughs) only everything could go wrong. Not understanding what's important. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm I'm sure you're busy. I won't bore you anymore. No, that's no, that's no. But we, people like to uh, you know peel away the onion and see what's you know how the how the sausage is made, as they say. So. Well, a, you know, it's it's uh, yeah, it's I mean, only comedians would appreciate how crazy it was run. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, no, man. Didn't didn't care about the quality of show or the audience. Put it that way. It was all about selling drinks. That was the only way they could tell if they did a good job is if they sold more drinks. The week I was there, then that same week the year before. Yeah. That's how they measured their success. Oh, I'm yeah. not kidding. Not uncommon. No, no, that's, that's a common business practice, yeah. I, I, But not at a comedy club. Yeah, but like you said, they apply that, you know, at and everything. I, said, I remember that's how I found out. I go, what, where did you come up with this system to judge how good you're doing or how badly you're doing? Doesn't it matter how much the people are enjoying the show? And that's when I found out. She goes, "No, that's how we do it at the sports bar. That's how they do it every place that at this corporation." Yeah, exactly. Like, there you oh go. There's your answer. All righty, man. Oh, all right. Well, PF. Uh, all right. So yeah, clean that up. And then also, I'll, I'll pick a bit um, off of your uh, website, uh, JimmyDoreComedy.com. Correct. And I'll play it and that way. I don't have to do a bit this week, so it'll make my life a lot easier. I'll just have to edit this interview and steal one of your bits, and I'm good to go. So okay, okay. sorted. Okay. <laughs> all right, Sounds man. Great. And we'll see you next week. All right. IPF, thanks, buddy. Hi, man. Bye. Thanks to Jimmy Dore again for being on the program. And I'm going to play a couple of clips from his show. And if you want to find the whole clips, uh, you will simply go to jimmydorecomedy.com. And these are from the first episode of the year, which I believe dropped like January 8th of 2013. And the first thing we are going to hear is a phone call uh, from Ron Paul, voice provided by Mike McRae. It is hilarious. Here it is. Okay, Dr. Dr. Paul, so uh, you're doing really well. You've got a, a third-place finish in Iowa, a second-place finish in uh, in New Hampshire, and people are not saying bad, it's... Not bad, not bad. Not bad. Your message seems to be resonating, but do you think that the... I have to ask you, and please, I'm doing it as respectful as possible. The, the, ah, here we go. Yeah, the newsletters. <laughs> no, ah, here we go. Those things... Uh, <laughs> people are saying you haven't come up with a satisfactory ah, response about the racist <laughs> things that were printed in the newsletter. I've been dealing with this for four... I've, I've, I've addressed this years ago when this came out. I mean, this came out when I ran for president in 2008, and it's not important. It's not... Um, you, you know, it's... it's, it's I've. I've said those were I, I disavowed those comments and those newsletters. They don't reflect my personal beliefs, but the, this stuff isn't important. What's important is my message of smaller government, of liberty. Uh, we shouldn't be having all these adventurous wars, and that uh, black people are animals. Doctor Paul, did you just what did you just say? <laughs> Nothing. I'm, I'm talking about how 
you know, we shouldn't have all these adventurous wars. We shouldn't be saber rattling with Iran, and, and and Jews start all the wars anyway. So we need to have a different way well, 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 of conducting ourselves in our foreign uh, life. Did I? Did what did you? Did you just say something about the Jews? What did you say? The hilarious Mike McRae on the Jimmy Dore show uh, doing an impression of Ron Paul. And I'm going to play another one of my favorites right now. This is probably my favorite impression that Mike McRae does because it is so spot on and it's always so funny. This is Bill O'Reilly calling in to the Jimmy Dore show. Jimmy Dore. <laughs> it's Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> hey, I've been listening to what you and your pinhead friends have been saying about the Trayvon Martin case. And I have to say there's absolutely no substance to your argument. It's like you've ended this discussion completely unarmed, with only an iced tea and a bag of Skittles to back you up, <laughs> while me and my pal Bernie Goldberg are coming in, guns ablaze, and chasing you and your lousy reasoning down and shooting it in the gut. <laughs> hey, that's a pretty good metaphor. I, I don't know how I came up with it. You can see why I'm such a successful author. <laughs> anyway, I'm standing my ground on the stand, your ground wall. It's one of the best laws ever passed. It protects defenseless Americans with nothing to protect them but a fully loaded gun <laughs> from innocuous black teenagers who rampage into our communities with nothing on their minds but buying things at convenience stores. <laughs> but if you and your progressive pinhead pals had your way, a black kid in a hoodie would be entitled to any item in any store <laughs> just because he paid for them. <laughs> what kind of a jungle would we be living in if we allowed that to happen? Bill O'Reilly is done by Mike McRae on the Jimmy Dore Show. As I said, you can hear all of those on the Jimmy Dore Show, either on KFPK Los Angeles. There are a few radio stations around the country that also carry the show, but you can download it as a podcast if you're outside of the Southern California area, or if you're in Southern California, uh, from jimmydorecomedy.com. Thanks again to Jimmy Dore for being on the show and for letting us play some of those clips so I didn't have to do any work this week. That was awesome. All right, uh, so the usual credits here. Well, first of all, let me tell you that Jimmy Dore is going to be in Cincinnati at the Go Bananas Comedy Club. That is Thursday, March the 7th through Sunday, March the 10th. And for all things Jimmy Dore, simply go to jimmydorecomedy.com. And as Jimmy likes to point out, his last name is spelled D-O-R-E because if you search for a Jimmy D-O-O-R, you get the door for an SUV. And really, who needs that, right? That's Jimmy's joke. Always hilarious. And let me see what else. Um, for this program's uh, sake... I would invite you to follow us on Twitter at PF66. That's my uh, Twitter handle there. Like us on Facebook. Uh, the music performed and composed by John Vropolis and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. Let me see. The logo designed by Dan Koble. And as I told you last week, Dan and his buddy Logan have a new podcast called Magic Potion. We will have links to that on the Podbean page as well, so you can check all that out. Let me see what other order of businesses are there. We have uh, some fun stuff coming up in a couple of weeks and lining up some interviews with some folks, um, some more music interviews. We'll have part two of the Andy McCluskey interview, as I said, toward the end of March, beginning of April, when the single comes out for uh, from the new album, and the album, English Electric, comes out as well. Next week, find out why I am a 15-year-old British girl. That'll be a lot of fun. And uh, until then, so long, and thanks for listening. <laughs>